So I titled um, this sermon today, Selfless, Selfless, and I wore my boots, and because uh, <laughs> I've got to tell you, um, this one may sting a little, okay? It sure stung me as I as I was preparing. We're only going to cover seven verses because I um, didn't think we could take any more than that. So Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, just listen and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. Don't sit here and think, boy, I'm so glad my wife came with me because she really needs to hear the sermon. You know, I'm not preaching to your wife, I'm preaching to you. Wives, I'm not preaching to your husband, I'm preaching to you. So don't don't put somebody else's name there. Um, put your own heart and name. He says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Jesus Christ, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Therefore receive one another just as Christ has also received us to the glory of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Oh, it's obvious, Lord, that you are here. And Lord, I know that where you're at, Lord, you're working and you're moving I pray, Father, Lord, that every person today would just yield their heart to you and listen to what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to them as an individual. God, every one of us need to hear this sermon, including the preacher. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that that you'd speak to every one of us, God, that, that we would just... Lord, I pray that we wouldn't throw our walls up. And that we would just allow you to come into our heart and speak to us. And Lord, if there's a wicked way in us, pull it out. Because we want to be, we want to be the glory of the King. We want to be your ambassadors. God, there's nothing in my heart more than wanting to serve you. And one day, Lord Jesus, as we stood here worshiping you, I thought, this is what heaven's gonna be like. Oh, millions and millions and millions of souls worshiping. And I want to be there, Lord. I want to experience that great day. So, Father, we worship you today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a very specific word um, given to the church. It's a specific word for a specific person, and you are that person. This is how the church should function. I I want you to know that oftentimes the church is a long way away from what God really wants us to be like. And um, the church ought to be a place where, where we feel love and we feel loved and we feel acceptance and we feel the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be, there shouldn't be another organization that even comes close to the church because God ordained the church and God called the church into being, the church is his baby, right? And so God wants to do something. And so he starts talking about, 
if you're strong, you ought to bear with the scruples of the, of the weak. And that, that means that you've got to look at yourself and you've got to say, am I strong? Is he speaking to me when he's saying, hey boy, you strong boy, you need to be doing something in the house of God? Or is he speaking to me and saying, hey, you're the weak one and you need to find somebody that's strong that can help you, can lift you up and encourage you. So the Bible, the Amplified Bible says this, it says strong in our convictions and robust in our faith. Here's what I would like to say. I believe the strong are able to apply the word of God. You know the Word of God, you've read the Word of God, and you're able to take that Word, and like a surgeon, you're able to dissect your own heart and sometimes the hearts of others. You're able to take that that Word. You know, the Bible talks about the Word of God sometimes being a hammer. It just breaks things up. And more times than not, I think of the Word of God as a, as a scalpel, where He just goes in deep. And he's able to pull out the infection. Because if you don't get it all the way down to the bone, it's going to fester back up, right? you gotta got to allow the Lord to go deep. So he says the scruples, and that's the failing, the frailties of, of people in the church. The brother, you mean we got failings in the church? Yeah, we sure do, don't we? And yeah, and that's me and that's you, right? Uh, I want you to be really careful that you don't see that he is saying, church, you need to sweep sin under the rug and don't deal with it. He is not saying that. We deal with sin, right? But what do we do when a brother or sister is going through a difficult time? This is critical because this is where we live. I'm telling you, everybody that comes to church, somewhere around that door, they take one mask off and they put the other mask on. That mask looks like this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My life is all together and I'm doing wonderful. Bless God. And then they leave the door and they take that mask off and they put the other mask back on. It says, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can make it another week. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And then he starts talking about the armor of God that we put on. And one of the first things that he mentions is we've got to put on the belt of truth. That's not truth of the Word of God. It's truth about you. It's truth about me. You see, until we admit some things, there's no change that's going to happen. Until we come before the Lord and say, God, i got a problem. I just keep falling to the same sin. I just keep messing up in the same area or in this area or in this area. And God, I just need some help. And God says, hey, I'm going to bring some strong men around you. I'm going to bring some people that's going to help you. You know, I, um, I want you to know what some of these words mean. It says the word strong in Ephesians 10... 610, I'm sorry, that's dunamis. Um, right here though, it's, it's in dunamo, which means to enable. So the Lord is going to enable you. In Romans 15, the word where he says be strong, it's donatos, meaning powerful or capable. 
powerful or capable. I, I just sort of feel like you're going to be on one side of this equation or the other. So if you're not receiving help, I believe that you're supposed to be giving help in the body of Christ. And that means you take what God has done for you and you take the wisdom of the Word of God that God has poured in your heart and you help others apply that Word to them. There is no judgment here. Are you, are you getting that? I mean, this is we're not just pulling this scripture out and saying, okay, listen to this. You've got to catch the last two or three sermons. That's pretty hard because you probably forgot the sermon by Monday, didn't you? <laughs> you might want to go back and listen. Because it talked a whole lot about judgment in the house of God. Not judging each other. God has not matured you in the faith so that you can judge others. God has matured you in the faith so that you can help others. Another word for failing is can be a moral failure or a faith failure. It's your impulse to gossip, to kick, to judge. Um, Paul says it differently in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. He says, brother, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, let him who is spiritual. So he doesn't use the word strong. Here he uses the word spiritual. If you're spiritual, restore, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Not judgment. Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hear me, hear me quickly. Right now. This is Kelleher rendition of the scripture. Are you listening? We gotta quit shooting our wounded. What does the church do normally when someone falls? Just put them out of their misery. We kill our weak. Shame on us. It, you know who are the most intolerant of, of smoking? Ex-smokers. Right? I mean, boy, they don't have much courtesy at all for it. You know sometimes who the most intolerant in the church are? Those who've been forgiven much. Come on, stay with me. The Bible says if you've been forgiven much, you ought to love much. You see, we don't live in the past. I can't let my past direct me, but I ought not forget it either. Don't you forget where God brought you from. Because He may use that to help other people. God wants to use, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He says we don't live our lives to please ourselves, but to help the body of believers. We are to be selfless. Every one of us is born with a very selfish nature. Preserve ourselves. If you don't believe me, Take care of the nursery one week. Those two-year-olds are vicious. That's my toy. They're not, they're not even playing with it until another kid picks it up. Give it to me! Right? I mean, we've got this selfish nature, and Jesus is calling us to be not selfish, but selfless. Preferring each other. And if you don't believe that, there's a story in the Bible. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, I think we'll have this on the screen for you. 
He says, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. You know what that word test means? This is the word only Jesus can can do this. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to judge the motives of somebody else's heart, but Jesus could. And he judged this guy's heart and he saw it was the motivation basically was to try to, what do you call that, justify yourself. He says, teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Sounds like a great question, right? And so Jesus said to him, well, what's written in the law? What is your reading of it? The lawyer answered and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the very word that Jesus said on these two commandments, hang all the words of the prophets and the, and the commands. And so Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he, wanting to justify himself, oh my goodness, you're going to get in trouble when you try to justify yourself to Jesus, right? And that's what happened. He said to Jesus, well, just exactly, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now listen to me. Jesus taught in parables all the time. Parables was a story that Jesus would pull out truths for. And so uh, he, he taught that way all the time. Listen to me real closely. This is not a parable. This was something that Jesus knew. In the Spirit, He knew about this. Because He says this. There was a certain man. He didn't give a name, but He knew who this guy was. He went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance there was a certain priest that came down that road. See again, a certain priest. And when he saw him, he came, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite. I'm sorry, but every time I read this story of the Good Samaritan... I can't help, it sounds like a joke, doesn't it? There were three guys that walked into a bar. There was a priest, a Levite, and a, you know, I'm just like, Jesus, do you know what you're saying here, man? <laughs> well, this is no joke, okay? It says, likewise, a Levite, a Levite was um, a tr- the tribe of Levite. It was someone in that tribe, and their whole job was doing the work in the temple. In the So we have a priest, and then we have a Levite. These are both people that worked in the in the church in the sanction, in the synagogue it says when he arrived at the place he came and he looked and he passed by on the other side but a certain samaritan as he journeyed he came where he was and he saw him and he had compassion so he went to him and he bandaged his wounds he poured in oil and wine he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and he took care of him on the next day when he departed he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll come again, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He says, Now you go, and you do thou likewise. Don't be the priest. Don't be the Levite. Don't be the religious guy. Be the guy, now let's put this in context a little bit. Be the guy who's moved with compassion 
when you see a brother or sister in need. And that's not just financial need or a sickness. It could be a moral moral failure. What are we going to do when we find out someone we love is having an affair in the church? Well, we're going to address it, of course. But we're going to look to have them healed. What are we going to do if someone's caught stealing? Dress the sin. Love the sinner. Going to have to help them, right? There go I, except by the grace of God. I love that Samaritan. You know, the Samaritans, according to the Jews, thought they were just like dogs. They were very prejudiced. Against Samaritans were half-breeds. They were part Jewish and part other cultures. So they were not highly looked upon. And yet it was this Samaritan that had compassion in his heart. That took his own money and his own material things. And tried to help this man up and help him be healed Jesus is our model of conduct in relationships between weak and strong Christians. His examples demand mutual forbearance and love, and if followed, they'll result in a unity of harmonious praise to God. That's what Jack Hayford had to say over this passage of Scripture. Verse 4 says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, so that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. In other words, what he's saying, this whole book that you have is your example. This, you got to learn, you got to study this, you got to read it, because this is how we prove how we should live. So I, I thought of that, I thought, what could we look at? How can we prove how to deal with people? And I thought of Moses. Moses dealt with the children of Israel. And they were a little bit more than what he thought they should be, right? I mean, you remember when he went up to the mountain to pray and spent 40 days up there, comes back with the Ten Commandments? What are they doing when they're down in the valley? They're having a party, right? They've made them a golden calf. They have forsaken God, and now they're worshiping a golden calf, which Moses' brother made for them. Well, buddy... All in a month. Don't you know? Moses got a little upset. But not nearly as upset as God was. See, when God looked at this situation, He spoke to Moses. He says, Moses, I'm going to judge these people and I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to wipe them out. And here's what the next thing He said. I'll raise up a new nation in you. Buddy, some people would have said, me? <laughs> you mean, we're going to call this new nation the Mosesites? You know, <laughs> this might have appealed to his pride, right? It could have appealed to something a little wicked in his nature, but it didn't. He says, God, listen to this. He said, God, what are the people of Egypt going to think about you? When they find out you led your people free only to destroy them. Oh my goodness. Are you at a point in your life where you worry just a little bit about God's glory? God, I want people to see how wonderful you are. 
I don't want them to see anything else. I, I, and because of my life, God, I want, I want people when they see my life to know how good you are. It's basically what Moses was saying. The Bible says that, that God relented. And he said, okay, Moses, then you can deal with them. <laughs> so Moses went down, he threw the Ten Commandments down, remember? He, t- he took the old golden calf and ground it up and he said, now you people are going to drink it. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I love Moses. What a leader, right? But he had a bit of a temper. And um, and sometimes there's righteous indignation, and sometimes there's a temper. But I believe this was a righteous movement. I believe God used him and to let these people know what a wicked thing they did. Moses got right right along with them. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, then Jesus comes along and he deals with a lot of people. And the one people that he did not have much patience with, with was with the religious people of the day. Those who should have been leaders, but that were not leading in the righteous way. But we always see, when Jesus dealt with a crowd, there's something that happens over and over and over. It's words like this, and Jesus moved in compassion, and He healed all the sick. Jesus loved people. Folks, if we're going to call ourselves Christian, and if we're going to call this a church, it ought to be like Christ. This is not the Rotary Club. This is not a community do good. You get me? This is the church. This is the greatest thing going. I'm not talking about Bridge of Hope. I'm talking about the church. All of us. God's people. The ones that God calls out to shine His light on. And as we get together, every once in a while we're going to have to deal with somebody that's having a rough time. Every once in a while we're going to have to deal with someone just really, really has messed up. And what are we going to do? You know, I, I think there are some things that you have to decide beforehand Before you ever get to this point, you ought to set your mind. You know, I often tell this to teenagers. And I say, if you're going to date, which I would encourage you not to. (laughs) But if you're going to date, you better set your mind on how far am I going to go. You know, will I allow this young man to hold my hand? And that's as far as you probably need to go. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? See, because if you're not careful, if you don't have that standard in place you may fall into something that you never meant to. Church, I want us to set a a line in the sand today. We don't shoot our wounded at Bridge of Hope. You get me? That might make you mad at some time. I promise you I'm preaching. There are going to be some times when you look at me And you say, Pastor, you need to deal with this. I've heard those words before. (laughs) You need to deal with that. In other words, they're saying, kick them out. Nope. Not unless the Lord tells us to. If it's rebellious sin that's... uh, uh, that, that's a lifestyle, then maybe that should happen. Maybe that Paul dealt with something like that in, to the Corinthian church. 
but more times than not. You hear me? We're going to deal with people and we're going to deal with them in love. We're going to say, what can we do to help you overcome? Can we counsel you? Can we help you? And, and I want you to know, if you think, well, you go, pastor, go. <laughs> pastor can't do this. There's too many of you. We need help. So if you'll read that scripture again, can I just bring out something to you? This doesn't say, pastor, you get ready to help the weak. Doesn't say that. It says you which are strong. Come on, somebody got to nod ahead or give an amen or do something. Are you hearing? Because in two weeks you may come back to me and say, Pastor, you need to deal with that. And I've got some anointed words for you. (laughs) You wasn't listening. You better go back and listen a couple of weeks ago or I got a private sermon for you. (laughs) Then he begins to wind this little text down with some beautiful words. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you. I I want you to, on your private study, Romans chapter 15, I think, does this three times. I believe three times. I know twice in my mind, but I think three times. Where he calls God's character. May the God of comfort... And patience. (laughs) The body of Christ loves it when people are patient to them. But when we want, we don't want to be patient to anybody else. Yeah, I I used to run a retirement center and the little old ladies would come to me and they'd say, you need to kick them out. They can't even walk without a walker. And I'd look at them and I'd say, Well, when you get on a walker, you want me to kick you out too? I need to go to my room. (laughs) It seems like sometimes if we've received great mercy, we have no mercy for others. What's wrong with that? How many of you have heard a sermon where preachers said, don't you pray for patience? You ever heard a sermon like that? Kick that one out. You hear me? I'm serious. That was not from God. You kick those thoughts out. See, what you need to do is you need to pray for patience. Patience is endurance. And there's another word that I love. It's staying power. Buddy, if there was ever a day that we needed patience, it's today. I need that staying power. And he says, he's the God of staying power. Woo, that's good. Isn't that good? If there's anybody that can help you when you think all hell is broken loose on you, and you can't see your hope for tomorrow, you need to know that God is a God of patience. That God has the staying power, and He will surround you with His might. It's hoopomono. <laughs> I love saying words I can't talk about. 
Hupomono conveys the ideal of being steadfast, consistent, unwavering, staying power. The Greek word for comfort is parakles. It means encouragement. He is the God of encouragement. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, in the Greek, He's called the paraclete. He's the one that's called alongside. And that's why a lot of times we call the Holy Spirit the comforter. You see, God said, I am the God of comfort. And I'll send my Holy Spirit to you. You see, the Bible says this, the kingdom of God is within you. You ever thought about that? How can that be? We're in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is within me. It's the Holy Ghost. The dominion of the King. The power, the staying power, the almighty power of God that's going to bring you to triumph is right there inside of you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or even think. And most of us stop right there. Because we're just amazed at it. How can you do more than what we ask or think, God? Then he, he ends with these few words. According to the power that's within you. Who is that power? That power is the Holy Ghost. See, you got to know that God put God in you. The day that you cried out to Jesus, the day that you said, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. He says, here's a little piece of me. It's the Holy Spirit. I read something on Facebook this week that I thought was incredible. It says, people always ask me, do I have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? This lady said, geez, man, you need the Holy Spirit just to go to Walmart. (laughs) Isn't that great? Man, you need the Holy Ghost just to get out of bed. (laughs) There is a power. I wish, I wish, man, if I could just open your skull and download this from heaven. The power of God is in you. He's the Holy Spirit. You're never alone. So when you get to the point where you said, I can't go on. I'm just overwhelmed. Satan's been after me. It's time to stand up. Woo! Time to get vigilance. I think that's two words. Vigilance and militant. I like to combine words. It's just shorter. <laughs> it's time to get militant. It's time to tell the devil to take a hike. It's time to stand. When everything else seems to be falling around you, the power of God is in you. It ain't time to fold up and run home. It's time to tell the devil, you don't know who you're dealing with. The Holy Ghost is in me. He is the God of comfort. There's nobody that knows how to comfort you when you're hurting like the Holy Ghost. We've got a lot of people hurting in this church. Some have lost their, their spouses, but they're not the only ones hurting. Man, there's people hurting all over the place. There's people that you deal with every day. Like I said, got that mask on. 
But if they'd take that mask off, you'd see they're falling apart. You know, preachers are the worst. Just a moment of honesty. You know, we're supposed to have our act together because we're going to try to tell you how to live. <laughs> so if I, I can't come to church and say, I've had the worst week. I'm just terrible. <laughs> I want to turn to your Bibles to Romans 15. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so we learned to wear this mask. But I'm telling you, that mask has got to come off at some point. I need to have some kind of friend in Jesus. Somebody on this earth that I can say, I've had a hell of a week. Seems like, don't put it that way, true saying. <laughs> Seems like hell has been unleashed on me. But God is stronger. He's more mighty. And He cares about me. He cares that what I'm going through. Jesus loves me. He's, if, if, you getting this? If we would just help each other. If we would just quit talking about the stinking ball games and the weather. Bless God, we all know the weather. We can see it. Why can't we say, how you doing? Come on. Don't give me that canned answer. How you really doing? You know you've been on my heart this week. Why you been on my heart so much? Why every time I go to pray, God brings your face up? Ooh! <laughs> Get that face away from me, Lord. Because <laughs> the God's the God of comfort. And God's a bit limited sometimes. Because you're His hands. And you're His feet. And you're His mouthpiece. He wants to love through you. He wants to heal through you. He wants to touch the body of Christ. Will we allow Him? He says, Will you be like-minded towards one another? I am the God of comfort, and I am the God of patience. Will you be like-minded? Come on. If that's not in your face, I don't know what is. <laughs> Will you... Oh boy, this is going to get hard. You might want to lift your feet up for just a second. <laughs> Will you quit thinking about yourself for just one half of a second? And will you think about somebody else? Because I'm calling you to a position of being selfless. To prefer your brother... That we may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God the Father. James says this, he said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And Jesus is saying, I want your mind and your mouth to match up. Ooh, that's heavy. That's heavy. Lord... Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That's what that's saying. God, if I believe faith, help me to speak faith. 
If I believe that you're all powerful, help me to speak that you're all powerful. Might cause us to quit talking about the president as much. Glory to God, I just went to meddling. Let's go on. (laughs) The last verse says, receive one another. Just as Christ received you to the glory of God. If you've received mercy, let's give mercy. If you've received love, let's give love. I can tell you what you didn't receive. Not when you come into the kingdom of God. You didn't receive judgment. You received compassion. So then, why are we so quick to give judgment? I don't know if this is hitting you, but it sure hit me. So we want to look at ourselves today. This is not for TVCC or First Baptist. I ain't preaching there. I'm preaching here. We'll let their pastors deal with their church. But if you come to Bridge of Hope, you're going to deal with this today. How are we doing? Come on. If we had to give ourselves a grade, are we failing or are we passing? Are we loving people? That, that, that's it, folks. There's no greater call for the people of God than to love each other. And if you're going to love me, it means you're going to have to sacrifice for me. It means sometimes you're going to have to quit doing everything that pleases you and say, how can I help you? It may cost you some money. I promise you it will cost you some time. Okay, I'll be quiet. I want you to stand with me. And we're going to do something very similar to what we did last week. We're going to open these altars. I told you last week that basically we don't have the altars like you used to see in the old churches, but this right here can be an altar. You can come and kneel, you can come and stand, you can turn around the front seat and pray there. See, I just believe that we got to give God a few moments to deal with what He's talking to us about. And the altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar is a place where you say, not my will, but your will be done. So I I don't know how this sermon hits you. I know how it hit me this week. I did some repenting. Hmm. How can I stand up and preach this, God, if I'm not living it? Well, I try to live it, but I mess up. Church, I really think we get judgmental. I'm not talking about you. Tony always says if you point the finger at somebody, you got three of them pointing right back at you. So three to one, okay? Have I been walking in judgment? Or am I walking in love? All I'm going to do is I'm going to open this altar. And I'm going to say if you need to just come and stand or kneel and just ask the Holy Spirit, God, I don't want to harbor sin. I don't want to harbor unforgiveness. I want to be a clean slate in your sight. And I want to be that person that's strong 
that helps those that are weak. If you'd like to step forward, if you ask Jesus in your heart today, early, I'd like for you to step forward and talk to me. Just wave at me. I'll come to you. So let's sing this song and feel free to come up. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever
says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 I believe he said being confident of this I I want you to get this I want you to be confident of this okay be confident of this that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ and in other words until Jesus comes again to get his bride you need to know he didn't start a work in you to move away he's right there with you helping you and he he calls you an overcomer more than a conqueror is what the lord says there is no obstacle that you face that you cannot overcome with his help you get it so the next time goliath steps up you just say goliath i'm getting ready to take your head off because you come to me in the natural but i'm coming to you in the name of the lord He's still slaying Goliath. Denny, would you come? 
So if if uh, what I heard this morning, I don't know if, if you guys probably paid better attention than I did, but what I heard was that God is the God of patience and compassion, right? And He's called us to be like that. So uh, I just pray that we're able to remember that when we go eat lunch today and we have a server, or when we go to work on Monday and our boss is breathing down our neck and uh, all that. we got to be pas- compassionate and patient, right? Uh, I, I need I need help with that more than anybody, trust me. Raise your hand, receive the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you, and may He keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord live His countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken. And go in peace and serve the Lord. God bless you.